Welcome to the Creative Tools podcast. My name is Ashay and I'm immensely passionate about using technology for creativity. On this podcast, I talk to various creators about what tools and technology they use to be creative. My guest today is Daniel Maffet. Dan is a multimedia artist based out of Delaware. He has a design background in the automotive industry as well as product development. He hosts a segment on MotorWeek as well as produces and co-stars in a YouTube and also an Amazon Prime web series. He has several awards to his credit in the automotive world, fine art and film. He also consults with business owners and artists on branding, social media, marketing, and growth. Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for visiting my podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So let's dive right in. Uh, My first question is, what do you create? So I'm kind of uh, what they refer to as a multimedia artist. Um, I don't stick to any one medium. I do just about anything I can get my hands on that I can create something with, whether it be clay or pencil or a car, building an actual car, you know, or uh, painting, just uh, anything I can try. (laughs) It just keeps it fun. So are your creations usually something that we can touch or they are also digital creations? So I do a lot of digital work too, um, a lot of video editing uh, productions like that. Um, But uh, my favorite things are tangible things, things you can hold and see mm-hmm. um, and then destroy if it upsets you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, so the next set of questions are based around the fact of uh, pre-creation, creation, and post-creation. So I will tell you a little bit of background behind it. So okay. I make films. So for filmmaking, there is there are usually three main steps, right? You There is a pre-production then there is production and there is post-production. So uh, just like that, let's say for your creations, if we have to talk about before you start creating, um, how do you record uh, the inspiration that you get uh, for creating something and how do you retrieve it when you want to create something new? So So most of my work is usually problem solving so it's it's it usually comes from an inspiration an idea that i had and it's always pen and paper to start i I draw everything out i sketch it whether it's a mechanical drawing of an assembly i want to make or if it's you know something i want to draw or paint i sketch it down in as many variants as i can imagine um on pen and paper first um Sometimes I'll do a digital version if it's quicker to take photo representations of ideas that have already been done. And I'll take those and in the computer, it's very easy to cut them up and piece them together and morph it into something that I'm envisioning. Uh, And that's kind of the map of where I move from. But then uh, I want to step back a little. So what I'm saying is... um you must be uh, absorbing inspiration from things around you uh, to create uh, something new. So uh, like, for example, when I make uh, films, I watch a lot of films and I watch a lot of content. And uh, I have like, I have this system where if I watch something um, really, really great, then I kind of text 
it to myself or i have like a okay. a, a group where i am the only member <clears throat> in the text group and i just yeah. i just uh, text it to myself so that i have a record of it um somewhere and then when i whenever i am let's say editing a scene or creating a film or writing a film i kind of go back to let that list and then figure out right. what i was inspired by uh maybe two months ago or two years ago and then that helps me think uh, about what i'm creating so similarly do you also record your inspiration in some manner and then retrieve it when you want to uh, create something new yeah so it, it, there's a few different things i do um i do voice memos on my phone uh if an idea hits me when i'm driving you know i'll have my earbuds in or you know my phone will be on the dash and i'll just tell you know siri or whatever smart device it is to take a voice memo and i'll say you know what i'm thinking um but most of the time i have pen and paper in my hand so if i get an idea or an inspiration that hits me i'll write it down and doodle a little picture of what my mind is seeing right there mm-hmm. sometimes i'll look at it months later and i have no idea what i was thinking <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like where was i when i wrote that i have no idea what that means yeah so that's uh, and that's i think one of the challenges <clears throat> that i have as a filmmaker too that i may have texted something to myself uh but i don't necessarily remember why i texted it <laughs> to myself yeah. and then usually the the moment of inspiration hitting my head and so, uh, uh, me creating something with my hands there there could be years in between right yeah. and and that's why uh, it very it is very difficult for me to remember and even retrieve uh that i had that inspiration years ago so uh, and that, that's a that's a big challenge for me and that's i was just uh, like uh, wondering if something similar you have experienced as well um, yeah absolutely because it's you write it down and in the moment it's so vivid and it's so clear right and you write it down the best you can to record what you're feeling what how it makes you feel think i mean sometimes when you have an idea that's so vivid you can smell it <laughs> you know you can hear it and, right. and you write it all down you try to capture it in a bottle you know and <laughs> you go back to look at it sometimes the next day and it's like wow i don't know what that was <laughs> just everything about that day and what you went through leading up to that moment when you saw that inspiration triggered that response and you have to try to capture it as best you can but sometimes it's it's hard to re regurgitate so, you... that so th- th- this is a great thing that you just said that i mean what you feel and what you maybe smell at that yeah. time that so do you also try to record that like what you felt and what you smelled uh, so there there's you, you try to capture everything in the notes so you know if if you're writing a script the person reading it can only envision what you tell them yeah so yeah. if you tell them the person walked to the mailbox and it was a cold morning they're like okay it's a chilly morning but if you say they walked out their front door and felt the grass that was frozen crinkle under their feet with each step as they made their way to their mailbox and saw their breath and then they're building this whole image that gets yeah. bigger and bigger and there's no denying that someone's going to vi- visually see that in their brain when they read so when i take notes i i tend to try to include as many things as i can like what the weather was you know where i was why i thought about this thing like maybe like a bullet point list underneath it of emotions at the time hmm. when i came up with a project you know because hmm. you it, it's hard to really tap into that like you said you look at it sometimes a year later before you actually get around to producing something yeah. that you came up with 
you want to make sure you have all those emotions tied in before you start putting, you know, anything. So, and the then, so voice memo, I understood, uh, you may record on your phone, but then for the, uh, pen and paper thing, do you usually carry a sketchbook or a notebook with you? Yeah. So I usually, I don't generally leave the house without a sketchbook. Um, I have a few small ones around and it's in the front room cause I was just drawing with it, but, uh, they're little tiny memo pads, you know, mm. they're, they're like a four by eight or four by six rather, um, about the size of a postcard and I just keep them in my pocket, um, Did, in my backpack. You, and then do you kind of have a, uh, have a template of what, uh, when you, uh, when you try to record this or when you try to sketch it, like, do you have a mental template or something that, uh, as you said, like you try to record everything that you can like what the weather was like what the what i felt what i smelled so do you have like a, a, a like a to-do list or a checklist in your head that you go through when yeah you... so i've never really thought about it before but i do kind of have a, a checklist i i write almost formatted like apa style for school you know <laughs> uh, that was drilled into me in high school but like i put a title you know what i would call this idea hmm. then i would draw as many thumbnails of what i envision it could look like Mm-hmm. And then a word map on the side that's just a list of words that keywords, triggered yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. keywords, whether it's the smell or the the colors or the lights or anything. I just write the keywords down the side of it. And if it's something tangible that I need to make, I do a little parts list. Anything I can think of mm-hmm. that I might need to make it happen, mm-hmm. I make a parts list underneath it. Um, and then with that, I would take that note and cross and to like the digital space a little bit for for you know what you call pre-production is i would start looking at those parts and pieces for this idea and see if anyone has already done it mm. and if they did how can i do it different or better you know mm. art is so objective you know it's you can't you can't really say you did something better it's more of you yeah know, how can you make your interpretation of it so right. uh you see someone do it and it's like that's exactly what i saw but <laughs> i see it this way right Great, great, uh, great insights. Thanks a lot. So now let's move uh, the discussion to the actual creation part. So now you have recorded your inspiration and now you feel like creating something, let's say. Um, so I will tell you my experience in this yeah. and then and then you tell me uh, if that resonates with you or you have, you have experienced something different. So there are usually two steps to every creation in my head. One is you build a prototype of what you think as fast as possible. Uh, and then with that, what you are actually doing is probably you are building a tangible prototype, but then you are building the entire creation in your head well before it gets built in front of your eyes. And then what happens, the next step in creation is shaping the prototype. So shaping meaning uh, you try to remove as much stuff as you can from what you are yeah. building so that you uncover the creation that you have in your head in in your in your hands um so like for example when when i edit films um i have this huge data of audio and video files in front of me and yeah. i know the film is in there and i ha- i have seen the film in my head all i have to do is uncover it and then just go, yeah. uh, make an assembly of the things that are in front of me and remove everything that's unnecessary so that i can uncover the creation that i'm seeing in my head so do you yeah. also feel the same way or you have a different process yeah absolutely i mean i i feel the same way there's there's a artist uh sculptor i 
I want to say it was Michelangelo, but it might be um, someone else. But they said, it might even be Leonardo da Vinci. They said that someone asked him how he sculpts this slab yeah. of marble into a into you know statue of David or how, and this he goes you know I don't I just remove what's not the statue right. I want right so right. he removes the bits of marble that aren't his statue and then Correct. it just shows up right so you know like you're saying the prototypes you know the biggest hurdle most creatives have is getting started mm. that's that's the biggest hurdle and I when I teach at Wilmington University I tell my students like the worst part is getting going once you get going you're gonna find a hundred ways not to do it <laughs> but you'll learn how to do it in that process <laughs> right, right so just start and that's my big thing is any project i do that i want to try or i want to do i just start doing whether i know how to do it or not i just start and pretty quickly i teach myself how to do it with mm. that failure mm. but like you said you know you do the prototype you're like okay I can trim a lot of fat off this. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be here. Like get this out, get this out. And then you're with your final product. Like the cutting room floor is messy for a reason because yeah. when you're editing a film, most of it ends up there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and one of the things um, uh, I think, uh, I mean, for editing, it is always said that, I mean, editing is finished not when you have added everything, but editing is finished when you have removed everything exactly. that's unnecessary. And then what, what remains is your creation or yep. uh, is your film. Um, and one of the things that I feel uh, what digital technology has done for creators is it has given them an ability to make a choice rather than a decision. So like, for example, earlier when everything was analog, if you put a stroke of paint on canvas and then you wanted to try a different variation of it, you had to uh, use another canvas to, yep. to paint it, right? So it was a destructive, uh, inherently destructive process. But with digital things, what you could do is you could do a digital paint, a digital stroke, yep. and then you could copy it and then change its form, change its color or something like that. And then, then now what? you have created you have created an ability to make a choice because now you have yes. two three choices in front of you and you can make a choice between and then that is i think immense power that technology digital technology has given creators is to make a choice rather than a decision because every single time and that's why i think as you said like the trouble getting started is because you are unsure whether the decision that you are making is correct or not but if yeah. if if you put yourself in a situation where you are actually making a choice and not a decision, then it's easy because making choice is easy. Uh, making decision is hard. Right. Yeah. So, uh, even, I mean, when I, when I, whenever I'm directing actors, uh, I mean, I tell them that, Hey, I'm not going to tell you how to act because, uh, I want, I'm going to tell you what the intent of the scene is. And then you give me options to choose from. And then, yeah. and, and then I will make a choice based on what you give me. But if, if I have to give you, I may not be correct. Like, I don't know <laughs> how it should be acted. So. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a real thing. I mean, it, there's, there's a saying paralysis through analysis hmm. and it's, you're thinking so much about it that you never start. <laughs> you're paralyzed because right. you're, you're thinking so much about all the different things you could do and different directions you could take everything, right. things that could go wrong. Th you know, you're thinking so much about that and not just starting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the blessings and the curses that digital technologies brought is, is 
made it a whole lot easier to go in any direction you want at any time in the process. Um, and that is incredible for people that are self-starters that can just dive in and start going. But it's incredibly intimidating for someone who maybe is new to the creative process or doesn't really have a lot of confidence in their work to be at a spot. And they said, yeah, anything you want, go. It's like at a buffet where there's so many choices, you don't know where to start. <laughs> like that chocolate cake looks good, but I really like that lemon meringue. So, uh, so what you said is a is a great thing. I want to uh, like dig deeper into it a little bit, where you said like uh, you tell your students that just start, like the you start by yeah. starting. So just just start, and then then it will teach you uh, maybe hundred ways to not do it, or it will teach you how to make your creation. So, yeah. um, how can technology maybe help in this situation, uh, where it it kind of. Uh, removes the hurdle of starting is uh, any so thoughts on that there's a lot of really yeah there's a really good premise with most of the programs that you use for creating now where they have kind of presets so if you open up photoshop nowadays and you have the the top tier program maybe the cc photoshop there's tabs at the top that say design painting hmm. uh website so you click that and it automatically gives you the best tools you could use mm -hmm. to generate those type of imagery hmm. so you know you're no longer going through like oh, i could make this brush maybe work for a brush stroke or this you go right to that tab and it tells you this is the best fan brush we have to paint hmm. grass hmm. or this puff brush to do clouds like they they break everything down so but in that asset you know every program has that kind of kind of um benefit you know they mm. have presets they have templates to start with and in one of my classes i teach motion graphics with after effects teach kids how to make animations and uh titles and things like that and a lot of instructors really you know curse out the templates like don't <laughs> use a template that's cheating and i'm like why in a professional <laughs> setting if you're being paid by the hour or by the project and your next project's waiting for you, get a template that gets you 80% there right. that you can buy for $10, edit it, make it completely yours for your client right. and move to the next one. Right. There's those aids have evolved for a reason. Right. And if you're freelancing, it's fast in, fast out. And if you can deliver better quality products for your clients by paying a service to do a template for you, mm. that's a no brainer because you mm. can still create it just those tools help you do it faster and more efficiently hmm. and maybe a little bit better finish touch than what you could do by yourself. So uh, I want to ask a follow-up question on templates. So uh, yeah. for sure you can use templates that are provided by you, but then for your own creations, do you make your own templates and then use them maybe in your future creations? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my biggest, uh, I guess my, my most consistent creative avenue right now is automotive drawings. Um, so a lot of people across the U.S. Uh, and some in Australia, they have they pay me to draw versions of their cars as they build them. Hmm. So they're like, look, we've got this customer with this 67 Mustang. They want to know what it looks like in blue with these wheels and this stripe and, you know, this color interior. And I draw it and I send it to them and they can sell the car to their customers. They look, this is what we're going to build you. Mm. Um, with that, the biggest thing that 
has helped with the new technology is I can make my line drawing for that year Mustang. There's millions of that exact year Mustang out there that people are building. So I've used the same line drawing on some of those things maybe half a dozen times now because mm. it's the same car. Yeah. Every time it's just the color changes or this changes. So I make right. templates with those and, you know, likewise in video editing or motion graphics, if I, if I build something or an, a piece of a project that I really like, whether it's, you know, how something spirals or moves into frame or out of frame, if I like that piece, I can save that as a file and then edit it for an next client down the road if I need to. And it saves me three hours of programming. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, great. So any, any way you can make a template for yourself, whether it's, you know, pen and ink templates with, you know, line drawings or it's digital templates, it, it makes it more efficient. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so now let's move our discussion to the post-creation part. So let's say you have created your creation um, and now it's time to release it into the world. Uh, and by release, I don't necessarily mean like putting in front of people release, meaning releasing from right. yourself, like you are not going to make any changes to it now. Uh, so yeah. what's your release distribution and marketing process? Like, do you use any tools or anything like that for that? So I'm, I'm the worst with t saying something's done. Uh, you know, they, they say, they say good art is never finished. It's just abandoned. Abandoned. Yeah. And, and that's me to a T. I look at something and I'm like, man, I could, I could make this better somehow. I'm not sure how, but I could make this better. I'm not done yet. And then I, I mess it up and I'm, my wife gets so mad at me because <laughs> she's like, it looks great. Don't touch it. And I'm like, I think I want to just try this. And I'm like, Oh, I got to start over. <laughs> but when I'm done, I'm happy with it. Or at least I'm content with abandoning it. <laughs> um, I generally distribute it out via social media, you know, okay. Instagram, Facebook, those are great platforms for people to see what you're working on. Um, even film or digital media, that's a great platform to distribute. Um, I've gotten a couple um, art galleries that requested pieces for me from seeing my work on Instagram. Mm. So um, that the social media has made the world so small that mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I, I don't distribute uh, nationally other than social media. So, um I, I i love it that's that's the best way i can imagine to send it out but and do you use any uh like post scheduling tools or automated tools for social media um so in my business uh my automotive business i do um i i plan a couple things out just because mm. with that uh relevancy is based off of consistency so right you know i schedule out every month or every week i want this to post and this to post and this and that just keeps it going but for my personal side as far as a creative i don't it's it's when i feel like creating something or i'm working on something that might be interesting i'll post about it and i try to i've really tried hard to get into time lapsing uh set my phone up and just do mm. a time lapse the minute i start a project Every time I come back to the project, I turn it back on. Mm. And then five minutes in iMovie on my phone, I can cut it together and post it mm. up in a 60-second reel. And that travels so incredibly. Um, really? It's a visual walkthrough that someone can see your month or two months worth of work in 60 seconds. Right. And, and it's, it's, you know, quick snack food that they, they just really love. So what you are saying is the time-lapse time post uh, performs much better than... Uh, like a still image oh, or yes. something like okay 
Okay. Yeah. So if you can implement even still images, if you can implement them into a Instagram reel, hmm. um, where it's a vertical video that's 60 seconds long, that is the highest trafficked post of any social media platform. Hmm. But then so how, how so would you, now... I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. I would say it's so much so that YouTube and Facebook are both implementing reels and now Snapchat is implementing reels. Uh, even LinkedIn is starting to implement yeah. the real system because it's engaging so much more, so much more rapidly that it's undeniable that that is like the the way we're consuming media now. But how do you create um, a reel from a still image though? So inside of, uh, there's, there's two ways. If you use it in, in app, so in app means if you're in Instagram and you're using their creative tools, you can go to Reel, create, and then you can tap your camera roll and just add still images. And then it puts them up there for like five to 10 seconds at a time. So you can stack six still images mm. and it mm. makes it 60 seconds and you put music to it and post it and put a good caption and it shows people what you're working on. Mm. Um, now, if you're using an editor, you would just edit it as you would any other video program. You mm. would just do stills instead of video. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then for for your business, you mentioned that you uh, plan posts, but for your personal uh, posting to Instagram, you don't necessarily plan anything. It's uh, mainly kind of yeah. So for my personal basis. stuff, it is yeah, it is just fly by the seat of my pants on my personal stuff. It's <laughs> whatever I'm diving into that day, I post, and it's the most random things. Um, you you follow me on there, so you know I'm I'm into some random stuff all the time. Yeah, and. Uh, my business one, I like that to be pretty consistent just so it's there. And I have a couple of partners with the business stuff as far as like brands that I work with. Mm. So I, I need that to be consistent and regular uh, and on brand. Uh, my personal stuff, I have, I, it's all me. So I just, I'm, it's like my brain, it's all over the place. But then how, how do you keep it consistent for your business? Like, do you, uh, do you plan it out in maybe like a spreadsheet or something and then schedule it? Or how do you? You, you definitely should plan it out. Um, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I I go into uh, I go into my posts and I pick a couple different images. And now Facebook and Instagram are cross platform, so if you schedule on one, it posts to hmm. both. So I can go in and I have you know a selection of images that I've worked on in the past or something I found interesting that's related to my automotive stuff and. I post it and, you know, every couple of days I, I just pick the date on the calendar that's next and I schedule it out for maybe the, the month and then mm. just let it roll and it and it automatically puts it out there. Now, if something happens in between those scheduled dates or even on the scheduled dates, I'll post a more uh, more frequently if, some, if I'm working on a project in the shop that's really cool and I want people to know about it. Mm. In between the scheduled posts, I'll post the other stuff, but I'll right. always have those pillars. Right. That are my, you know, Tuesday, Thursday posts. Right. And right. that those are my pillars. Right. Great. But uh but the personal stuff it's just whatever whatever I'm yeah. thinking about at the moment. Yeah. Um I, I ask this to every creator, so I'm gonna ask you as well. Uh when okay. you are creating something, uh do you feel lonely sometimes? Like you you, you think that you need help. You know, I don't know. I, I'm the youngest of eight. Um, and I, I was 
youngest by a bit. So I was always kind of by myself growing up. I had siblings, but they were always doing their own thing. So I was just kind of stuck in the house doing my own thing. So <laughs> I kind of grew up in that environment. So I never really, never really get that feeling that I need someone else to help do it. Now, when, when I share what I'm working on for other perspectives, I value it hmm. tenfold. I can't, I can't value someone else's perspective on what I'm working on uh, more than anything else because mm. uh they see it with fresh eyes fresh everything and i'd be looking at something it's like it's just not working i don't know why and i send it to someone or my wife walks by the room and sees it she's like oh that that's a little lopsided and she walks by and i'm like no it's not <laughs> yes it is yes it is <laughs> and then i'd fix it and that's exactly what was bothering me the whole time mm-hmm. so i i don't i don't in the moment i never feel like i need someone else to help me with it but um anytime i do it elevates the mm. quality. Mm. Okay, great. Um, what is the biggest challenge you face in your creation process? I think the biggest hurdle I ever face in my creation process from beginning to end is the confidence that it's good enough to actually show someone. Mm. Because I, I'll do a lot of things and I'll either throw it away or just never show it, put it in a folder and put it in the basement and never show anyone. And mm. uh, I know when we moved, um, when my wife and I moved from our townhome, uh, when we got married, we moved into our home. I got this huge folder from box from my parents' house when we moved into the bigger home and uh, opened it up and it's all kinds of old drawings that I had done and uh, some old uh, paintings and things like this. And, well, it's like, how have I not seen any of these? I'm like, well, because they're not good to show anyone. Like, I was, I've learned so much since then that I wouldn't show anyone those. <laughs> but you know, now some of them are hanging up in the house because she liked them so much. So, hmm. But then, uh, so that's the biggest thing. How how have you overcome uh, this hurdle? Or you have? I don't know that as a. I don't think as a creative you ever get over the uh, <laughs> maybe I'm not good enough thing. You know, it's like it. I've worked on projects, whether it be film or, you know, uh, design or paintings where I do it. And I'm like, you know what, this is going to be awesome. And I do it. And then I get done. And I'm like, what was I thinking? This is awful. <laughs> and then you show it to someone relentlessly and then they, uh, they love it. And it's, and it boosts your confidence a little bit. You show it to someone else and they're like, this is fantastic. And you're like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing until you do another one. And it's like, nope. <laughs> So, I mean, do you kind of like force yourself to just release it on social media or something so that you don't, uh, you, you overcome that hurdle? Yeah, I think that's kind of a part of the process for me, at least, is if I post it, there's no going back. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't like it, but yeah. post and then just wait. And, you know, once it's up and it's out there, it's live, it's wild. It no longer belongs to you. Right. You know, Correct. everyone else can see it. it take their interpretations on it and you know i i don't think i've ever posted anything that you know people go what was that guy thinking <laughs> usually it's positive <laughs> feedback yeah. so um, i mean I th- yeah i mean one of the reasons why i post and i release my creations is because uh i kind of create this intentional learning opportunity for me for the next creation because yeah. i don't release because uh maybe i want some validation from anyone i release yeah. because i have to move on 
like i yeah. <laughs> i have to move on to the next creation so that yeah. i can learn something new i have learned everything that i could from this so let's let's just release it and then move on to the next yeah, one exactly and it, a lot of people don't realize you know people that aren't creatives don't realize the weight that mm-hmm. a project can hold on you yeah like it's <laughs> it's like you got a backpack with cement blocks in it you got <laughs> cement shoes on and it's and you love them so much you're not going to put them down yeah and then you release it and it's like okay that's all off i gotta find some more cement <laughs> yeah and then you're on to the next project and you're yeah. the weight back on you know? yeah and it uh, i mean for me at least i have felt like it takes immense courage to like release your creation to the world right because yeah. now it is going to be uh i mean people are just going to be uh the op opinion at about it time they they are going to throw yeah. their opinions at it it can it may be good it may be bad uh but you just have to move on like uh, otherwise you yeah. won't be able to start any new creation and it it takes a tremendous amount of courage like uh, we worked on that film dna uh, together yeah. uh, for, for a while and then for th- that film too like i was for 21 days every day i was filming like 17 hours each day and i was with yeah. those people i was so much involvement in <laughs> in the creation process that the moment i got out of it and then came home and started started washing dishes i was like oh my god what happened to me? <laughs> it, yeah it it took immense courage to like stop it and you know say that the film is done because i yeah. wanted to uh, be more and more involved in in the process but anyway uh, just a yeah. life life it, of it, a creator yeah. that's a good way to put it you know it takes courage because you're creating something and whether you think deep into it like some creatives do or not or if you're closer to me i'm i'm kind of more of a realist but when you create something it's n- not a point of argument it it's a piece of you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is it is a piece of you that you've created so you, your identity is on it the minute you release it to the public it's no longer yours right right it'll always mean that thing to you but they're going to interpret it somehow different yeah um and there's there's a musician named Charles Gambino and he never really re- reveals what he meant by making a song. Hmm. He says it means something to him when he writes the lyrics and when he makes the the track. But when he releases it, it's no longer his opinion. Hmm. He lets everyone else make up their opinion on what it meant. Right. Because it could hit someone so different across every genre that he's not going to put that out there right. for people to infer he... what he wanted. Right. Right. He I mean I think he did, he just doesn't want to bias Uh, exactly. people's opinion with his own uh, thinking about it and it it's not exactly. fair it's not fair to the people who are yeah. listening to it right yeah exactly and that that's his mentality on it and i love that because there's a lot of musicians i wish did that because i can't tell you how many songs i've loved and i heard the meaning behind it i'm like oh i don't like it that much anymore they have something totally different than me right right but once okay, you great. hear the artist's opinion you can't break your mind of that right um so do you use any uh, you may have answered this uh, briefly during our mm-hmm. conversation but do you use any automations or process improvements uh, in your creations um that uh, involve technology you know, making a a template or mm-hmm. uh shortcutting you know a redundant process uh not not particularly a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff i do is all manual based so mm-hmm. um 
it's you know only one way to get it done and uh i mean it looks like you started with analog and then you dabbled started dabbling in digital uh which is un- i mean unlike me i only started with digital filmmaking i mean i never touched yeah. celluloid so yeah. um so for the creations that were analog for you and now they are digital how has digital technology impacted your creation process i think it makes it more efficient um mm. everything about digital just makes it a more efficient process um and again technology and experience elevates it technology brings experience to a project so it instantly elevates that project mm. to the best it can be mm. great um and then what is uh, what is your vision for your own creations i don't know if i'm smart enough to have a vision for my creations <laughs> it's you know i have an idea and i want to see if i can make it happen and when i get done if i like it enough i share it you know it's it's i don't know if i'm thought out enough to say you know what this is exactly what i'm trying to achieve and this is exactly where i'm going to take it it's you know i have this general idea i want to see what happens and then it organically grows into whatever it ends up being mm. and sometimes it's not where i thought it was going to go sometimes mm. it's exactly where i thought it would go but most of the times it's it's somewhere a little bit different and i kind of ended up in this space that i really liked mm. great thanks a lot dan for visiting my podcast it was great talking with you Of course I'm glad to be here thank you Thanks for tuning in If you are a creator I would love to talk with you Please connect with me through my website or social media See you in the next episode